0: The accent. I speak perfectly normally, but uh, I grew up in Australia and I've lived. Yeah, do we have some Australians? No, just just fans. Okay, good. Oh, it's good to be among fans. Uh, so I've lived half my life in the UK now, give or take the odd deportation. I've things about being an Australian in the UK is uh, whenever Australia lose at sporting engagements, which is happening disturbingly often these days. And uh, what I've discovered is that these days I don't actually have to subscribe to any internet news feeds about you know sporting results, because as soon as Australia loses, my English friends are just texting me instantly, just very helpfully letting Lovely touch uh, from them. But they never, they never describe anything in terms of England beat Australia. They never text me and say England beat Australia. What do they say? Australia lost? Yes? No, they're much more cruel than that. Uh, you have nice friends. My friends, what do they say? Loser? Yeah, they say loser. They say we beat you. Right? Which I think is a little bit rich, don't you think? Because I know my friends well enough to know that none of them made the final 11. None of them were at Lord's. None of them contributed a calorie of effort to this victory. And yet, when your team wins, you celebrate, don't you? Because, yeah, well, and, then, and but I- then you own it. If your team loses, you feel like a loser. When your team wins, you feel like a winner. Because that's the truth of champions, isn't it? When your champion wins football very, very much. I'm, uh, I'm quite a cricket fan, so I'm, I'm always a little bit sour about the fact that in England during the summer, when you should be spending all your column inches in the newspapers discussing the cricket, you're actually still discussing the football because you're talking about the, the transfer market, aren't you? And I think the whole transfer market is bolstered by the myth of the one man. Okay, let me describe the myth of the one man. To you. The myth of the one man is that somewhere out there, there is a footballer of such immense talent no amount of money is too stupid to spend on this teenager and so you get somebody across from spain or italy or south america and the idea is that your team is due for relegation but somehow the one man's going to come into your team and he's going to turn it all around and he's going to score all the goals and you're going to ascend through the league tables and progress through the cup and of course it's a total myth it never it never works but imagine that it did imagine you're in a team that's headed for relegation and imagine The one man comes into the team, and he is every bit as good as they say he is, and he wins all the games, and he gets you all the way through to the Wembley FA Cup final, and there you are at the final, and in the last minute, he scores twice to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, and he runs over to the sidelines, and he does that thing to the crowd that sometimes footballers do when they say, it's for you, it's for you, and you're jumping up and down, just because you're wearing the same color t-shirt as he's wearing, but, but somehow he's won total strangers because they are also wearing the same color t-shirt, and you're united together in your one man. You're united in your victory, and you sing like a lunatic, and that's how Christians feel about Jesus, right? Isn't that how we feel about Jesus? In our better moments, because Jesus is the one man who comes into a failing team, and he turns it all around, and he scores the winner over death and hell rises up again and he comes to us and he says it's for you it's for you and we sing and we shout and we celebrate and we have not expended a calorie of effort in this victory have we we've actually caused his death and still he dies for us and still he comes and shares his victory with us because he's our champion and I think a great passage from the scriptures to, to really focus us in on this idea of Jesus being our the slides behind, um, uh, unless you want to pick up in in the Bible in front of you. But in Matthew chapter 3, what we've really got, I'll introduce it to you, I'll read it and then we'll pray, but what we've got here in this passage, it's a bit like when the new footballer comes and joins the team and there's a photo call and all the journalists are there and the new footballer is shaking the hands of the manager and he's sort of putting on the, the kit for the first time. And really what we see with the baptism of Jesus, this is his launch. Onto the world stage. This is his public declaration that I am now with these guys. I'm joining Team Earth. Even though it's been a relegated, you know, it's a team that's headed for relegation. I'm joining them. Because I'm the one man who's going to turn it all all around. And at the baptism, he identifies with us as our champion. Matthew chapter 3 from verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. what God wants us to learn from this passage. Should we just bow our heads and let me pray for us? Our dear Father, we want to see Jesus now clearly. So we pray that by the power of Your Holy Spirit, You would give us eyes to see Jesus, and in His face, may we know what You are truly like, and may we know what we are truly like, and may we respond. A the way that a champion footballer joins a failing team. And the first thing that Matthew wants us to realize is what a failing team, Team Earth, really is. So we, we learn in verse 13 about this baptism. Do you know what baptism is? It's it's literally a word that just means having a wash. But the idea is that though the water goes on the outside, what we really need is a spiritual cleansing. And it's testifying to the fact that you and I need a just sort of stood at the washing up and you just look out the window and you remember that stupid thing you said. Maybe it was last week, maybe it was 10 years ago. And you just, oh my goodness, why did I do What, what am I like? Uh, Emma and I have got a, a two-year-old daughter called Ruby and wi- wi- we're now realizing we have to watch what we say because she just repeats it back verbatim to us. And uh, for a, a number of months she's been saying this sound where she's got it from. She keeps going, doy, 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 I say to Emma, do you say that too? Is this a song? What's she trying to say? And uh, just last week, I was doing the washing up, looking out the window, and I did. I remembered something that I'd said last week to someone that was so cruel and cutting and harsh and unnecessary, and it ruined their day, and it's been ruining my week thinking about me having said this thing. And as I'm doing the washing up, I just look out the window and I say, dear, oh, dear, saying, doi, 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 <laughs> And she's clearly picked it up from us. She's picked it up from me. This, this thing, dear, oh, dear. Do you have those moments? Dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. What am I like? I'm uh, friends with a, a man who counseled a guy who'd made some terrible decisions. I said to my friend, I wish I could take my whole life, bundle it up in a big washing machine and put it on the hottest wash possible until all the grit and the grime is gone. you ever wanted that? I've wanted that many, many times. And these guys are getting honest. They're realizing they need a bath. They're realizing that there's uncleanness to them. There's filth to them. And so they show up to the failures convention. He is presiding at the Failures Convention. He's the one dunking people, giving them the bath. And you can just imagine it, can't you? The the, the big banner across the trees by the Jordan River. Come one, come all. You must be a loser. And thousands flock to him, which I find fascinating. Thousands of people are waking up to the state of their own heart. Their own humanity. Are we capable of great good? Sure. Are we capable of great evil? You bet. Sometimes in the same breath. I'm astonished by the way I'm I'm able to say something so harsh and cruel and cutting to my wife, having just said something loving and kind to her, coming out of the same mouth. And in those moments, what do I want to say? I want to say, "Oh, honey, I don't know what came over me," which is nonsense. Nothing came over me. It all came out of me. Right? Came out of somewhere very deep and dark and old. dirty. And these people are just getting real. They're saying, I'm I'm a failure. I need a bath. And they show up to the Failures Convention. Do you realize that you are failed? Do you realize that there's filth to you? Do you realize you need a bath? In some senses, I guess you do, because you've shown up here to the Failures Convention. You meet here every Sunday this is the Failures Convention, right? If you didn't know that, th- that's what this is. Um, your branding is, has sort of avoided that, but, <laughs> but we are the community of the baptized, the community of the washed, the community of those who realize there's something in here that needs a wash, right? And every Sunday we show up, and we don't display to ourselves our pure, bright, shininess, do we? Sunday we come, and, and we're admitting that is why we come, because we recognize that we are a part of this failing team earth. But isn't it it a shock, verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Isn't that a stunning verse? It's a shock, isn't it? Think of all the ways that that verse could run. It could say, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to judge all the filthy sinners. It could say that. Matthew's gospel has been set up with John the Baptist saying, here comes Jesus. He's the judge of all the earth. He's going to sort the wheat from the chaff. That's, that's how John has introduced Jesus. Jesus is coming. He's the judge of all the earth. He's going to set things straight. He's going to release us from evil. He's going to purge all the wickedness from the earth. He's going to sort the wheat from the chaff. And Jesus shows up. And he shows up to the failures convention. And in one sense, it's a fair cop, isn't it? I mean, everyone's got their hand in the air saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm filthy." judge of all the earth shows up so how should verse 13 continue and jesus came from galilee to the jordan to judge everybody could say that doesn't or it could say then jesus came from galilee to the jordan to wash everybody oh that would be lovely wouldn't it wouldn't that be a lovely pastoral scene there there's everybody they're claiming to be dirty and there's does it? This is a shock. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And at that stage, you know what you've got? You've got a public relations disaster on your hands for Team Jesus. Because what does it look like? What does it look like? The perfect, pure Son of God joins the failures convention. He gets in the queue and he takes a bath alongside all the other filthy people. What does it look like? Doesn't look good, does it? John thinks it doesn't look good. Verse 14, John tried to deter Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. John is voicing what you or I would say. If we were there, we would go, Jesus, this isn't for you. This is for the failures. You you are perfect. You are pure. And Jesus would say, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm the son of God. So then Way, And really, Jesus' answer could be written across the top of every book of the Bible. Jesus' answer is basically, I'm joining you in your failure so you can join me in my family. That's kind of the whole story of the Bible. The whole story of the Bible is Jesus, the Son of God, joins you in your filth and failure so you can join him in his in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah was looking forward to the time when the Son of God would take flesh, when the Messiah would come when the myth of the one man would come true and he would come and join our team. And he says in Isaiah chapter 53 that when the Messiah comes, he would be numbered alongside the transgressors. Which means he would be counted alongside all got the failures convention and jesus is perfect he's pure but he doesn't mind looking like a failure he doesn't mind rubbing shoulders with all the other failures and he doesn't mind if people get the wrong end of the stick and think that he is a sinner he doesn't mind that that really blows my mind because i am a sinner but i'll go to tremendous lengths to appear not like a sinner before you right (laughs) i'll do anything won't appear sinful before you. I'll do anything to whitewash the facade of Glen Duvall, right? And here is Jesus, and He actually is sinless, and He actually is pure, and He doesn't care about appearing pure and righteous in front of you. He just wants to get in among His people and be with them and before them. I think that's that's a word for church, isn't it? It's a, it's a word for what we're on about as church, not creating the facade of. people think jesus didn't care what people thought he joined his people in their filth so they could join him in his family and if you read through matthew's gospel if you read through any of the gospels this is the whole trajectory jesus jumps down into our pit and he joins us he shoulders our burdens he becomes our champion and he takes on all our enemies if you were to read gospel. The next thing you'd find is Matthew chapter 4. Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by Satan. And of course, Satan, the tempter, gets the better of you and me every day. Satan, the tempter, is very good at his job and we are suckers for temptation and we fall for it every time. And here comes Jesus, the perfect pure Son of God, and now as our champion, he takes on the The myth of the one man? Is is this the one guy? Is this who Isaiah was talking about? Is this the one who is gonna come and do life right? Oh, you bet it is. Because you keep on reading in Matthew's gospel and Jesus comes across sickness. And sickness is another enemy that always gets the better of us. You know, I, I love with Ruby going through her little children's Bible and, and um I know that I know that she wants to read the Jesus stories because she says, He fix it. He fix it. Because every time I, I get down to Jesus' children's book, go to a page and, you know, here's here's someone and, and they can't see. And she says, oh, sick eyes, sick eyes. And then we turn the page and what does Jesus do? He fix it. And we turn the page and there's someone who's got, he's got sick legs. Oh, he's got sick legs. Turn the page. What does Jesus do? He fix it. And this, this is what the Gospels are. That, I mean, the Gospels, you turn the page and Jesus just, around planet Earth like he owns the place. Maybe he does. What do you reckon? See, I became a Christian when I started reading through these Gospels. I was aged about 20, 21, and I started reading through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these biographies of Jesus. And I was just overwhelmed by the person of Jesus. He just absolutely stunned me. Because I, I don't know about you, but just the idea that there's some kind of God out there doesn't do it for me. It never has done. I used to look around at other Christians, and I used to, why do they get so excited? It's like, may, maybe there is a higher power. Who cares? Like, really? But then I started reading these Gospels, and, and Jesus is introduced in the Gospels as he's like the word of God, the explanation of God. The Bible calls him the image of God. He's what God looks like. He's the eternal son of God. That means he's just a chip off the old block. He, he shows you everything that God is like. Gospels, you're focused down on this person. And basically, the Gospels are saying, look, whatever you've thought about God before, check out this guy. What about him? You see, if this guy is God, I'm in. If this guy is God, he's won my heart. If this guy is God, this one who walks around planet Earth like he owns the place, he's like this little pool of paradise, this garden of Eden walking around, and everything gets fixed in his presence. And then he speaks like no one has ever spoken before. He has authority like no one has ever spoken. through Luke's gospel, as I was reading through, age twenty twenty one, 21, I was halfway through Luke's gospel, and I just thought to myself, if this is what God is, I'm in. Count me in. I just saw this towering personality to Jesus and this stooping love, and I just thought, wow, this is a God I can believe in. I go around the place talking to people about Jesus, and, and uh, quite often someone will say to me, you know, don't bother with me, I, I, I don't even believe in God. would say to those friends, and I've been saying to them, I, I say to them, which God don't you believe in? And the atheist then says, oh, you know, just God, I don't believe in, you know, the big guy, the, you know. I say, no, just des- describe, describe to me the God that you don't believe in, and they would end up describing some kind of Thor figure with a lightning bolt, you know, distant individual, high on power, low on personality, that that kind of f- And what do I say to my friend, what do I say to my atheist friend then? jesus right have you checked out this guy this guy is a game changer what if he is god he takes on satan and he delivers the winner he takes on sickness and disease he delivers the winner he he takes on our uncleanness and our spiritual death on the cross you see this trajectory of the baptism it takes him all the way down to the cross this decision that he wants to be numbered among the transgressors Takes him all the way to the cross where he becomes sin for us. He takes on all our filth. Because that's what love does, right? If you love someone and you see that they're in a pit, what do you do? What do you do? You jump down in and you say, look, your, your pit will be my pit. Your pain will be my pain. Your suffering will be my suffering. Your filth will be my filth. went out to China and he was really pioneering because uh, usually before Hudson Taylor, a missionary would go out and they would just remain an English gentleman wherever they were and they would sip tea and, you know, mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun in these places. But Hudson Taylor was actually really immersing himself in the culture of, of China and he dressed like a local and he spoke like a local. And, and uh, one of the first people University. And this professor was an expert in the ancient Chinese religions, Buddhism and Confucianism and Taoism. And and, uh, his friends, his Chinese friends would ask, "Why, why have you gone with this Jesus figure? What's different about Jesus to all these other religions that you know so much about? And he told a story. He said, well, imagine... One religious figure comes to the top and he looks down and he says, you need to realize this is just the veil of illusion. And then he walks off. Another religious figure comes up to the top and the man down the bottom says, please help me. And the religious figure says, if you'd listened to me, you'd never have fallen in the hole. And walks off. Jesus comes to the top of the hole. in our filth so much that on that cross he took everything that belongs to you and me. All our filth, all our shame, all our sin. paid off all our debts on that cross. rose right up again. And he says to us, I've joined you in your filth. Do you want to join me in my family? What's his family? I keep on talking about the family. What's the family? Well, we need to keep reading. Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the family. This is the family that both predated and produced the universe. This is the family of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This family of love that has been this Niagara. back and back before there are people before there are planets before there are protons what is there what is it? There? there is this god there is a father loving his son in the joy of the spirit and essentially verse 17 is this eternal verdict this eternal expression of love the father says this is my son whom i love with him i am well pleased that's been the life of eternity a father loving his son in the joy of the spirit At some point, God said, this is too good to keep to ourselves, right? We've got to share. And so God has made a world through his Son and by his Spirit so that we can join the party, so that we can be part of this family, so that we can hear this verdict, you are my child who I love, with you I am well pleased. Jesus has come to share with us this love, this family, this verdict the verdict that you and I are looking for. Everything else we look for in life is basically an attempt to get verse 17 said to us. Everything you've ever done, every achievement you've ever pursued, every job you've ever gone for, every relationship you've ever been a part of, you've been trying to get this said to you. You're my child. I love you. I'm well pleased with you. Your heart is uncertain. You don't know in all the wrong places. I do, you do. We all try to get this verdict. We want someone to say, you're mine, I love you, I'm so pleased with you, I'm thrilled to bits with you. Our hearts leap at this. I was uh, saying at, uh, is it Older Road? Is that where I've just been? Yeah, I was just saying um, uh, to them, they've got a, a bunch of South Africans uh, at that church. Do you have some South Africans here? No, they're all at the other church. Okay. <laughs> but um, I was saying, my favorite South African, uh, Bert Lecloss? Do you know Bert Lecloss? Uh, he came to prominence in 2012 at the London Olympics. Uh, and as I describe his story, you might sort of recognise because the, the video of what he did went viral. Okay. So Chad Lecloss is Bert Lecloss's son, and uh, he is a great swimmer. A, uh, his his uh, event was butterfly, and uh, at the 2012 Olympics. took him on and he won and he got the gold medal and he got the 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 world record and it's pandemonium in the pool everyone's chanting about chad Laclos, and claire balding from the bbc grabs a microphone and she finds his dad bert lacloss and he's this big portly gruff south african and he's the proudest dad you've ever met in your life and she tries to conduct this normal interview with this guy but it just gets derailed eh asks him, you know, and so has, has Butterfly always been his, uh, his his event? And Bert Lacroix says, oh, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Look at my boy. I love him. Mwah, mwah. And so she tries to get things back. And says Has it been a long road to London 2012? Oh, he's unbelievable. Unbe- it's been unbelievable. My beautiful boy. My beautiful. And he says unbelievable nine times in 90 seconds. He calls him beautiful three times. It's just this overwhelming, gushing that went viral is because, wouldn't you love to have Bert LaCrosse as your dad? Wouldn't you love someone who's just, oh, my beautiful boy, my beautiful girl? Wouldn't you love that? According to the Bible, there's been an almighty unbelievable that's been echoing around eternity, and Jesus has come to share it with you, so that if you put your hand in Jesus' hand, if you trust him, guess what? You get his father as your father. You get that verdict as the verdict on your life. His Spirit as your spirits. He fills you. He baptizes you with His Spirit. And He will walk with you through life, being your champion, taking on your enemies in your name and on your behalf. This morning, and uh, you're a part of things here, and you love Jesus. Um, when you realize that Jesus is your champion before He's your coach, do you recognize that about Jesus? I think the baptism of Jesus pushes us in this direction that, that who Jesus is primarily is your champion, only secondarily is your he's your champion. What do I mean by that? Well, let's think about um, Usain Bolt, okay? If Usain Bolt came here and he wanted to teach you how to run 100 meters in 9.3 seconds or whatever, um, fat chance, right? You you could have a go, and I'm sure he would make you improve your performance somewhat. If he's your coach, maybe you win, maybe you don't. If he's your champion. probably more than he is you're probably even happier than he is because he's done it for you you know who jesus is first and foremost he's your champion can he then teach you how to live absolutely he teaches you how to live but the assurance and the blessing that comes into your life when you realize that jesus is your champion is overwhelming this year we're celebrating 500 years of reformation 500 years since martin luther to the Wittenberg church door, and basically the whole thing was him saying to people, you know what, Jesus is first and foremost your champion, not your coach. Martin Luther wrote this little book, it's tiny, you could, you could read it this afternoon, it's even tinier than my book, so read his first, but he, he said, um, "Before it's, it's a book that's called What to Look For and Expect in the Gospel.'" as God's gift to you that does all things for you in your name and on your behalf before you take him as an example to follow see him as God's gift to you before you see him as the coach who tells you how to live life see him as your champion who has run the race who's finished it all who risen has risen again to the father's right hand and now gives you As you read through the Gospels, do see Jesus as your example, sure. Do see him as your coach, sure. But know in your heart of hearts he is your champion and he's done it for you, unimprovably. That'll release you into praise and joy, won't it? god figure i've never f- known what to make of god well hopefully you've heard a little bit about a god you can believe in this one hopefully you've heard a little bit about the jesus god the god who comes and stoops and serves and suffers and bleeds and dies for you to give you everything that he's got so that you get his father as your father his spirit is your spirit his future is your future do you want this jesus to Jesus. It should be obvious, shouldn't it? If you want Jesus, I guess you need to show up at the Failures Convention. And as I said, we meet here at 10.45, Sunday morning. Belong to th- belong to a people who get real about themselves. Belong to a people who are honest about what's inside. Yeah, And get honest with Jesus about what you're like. Get honest that you need help. You need a champion. There is filth with him about that and then come and say Jesus I want you to be my champion, I want you to be my teacher, I want you to be my lord I want you and as you say to Jesus I want you, he says wonderful, that's why I came that's why I died, that's why I rose again I came to share everything with you my family, my spirit my future is that what you want? do you want this Jesus? I'm just going to offer an opportunity for anyone who wants to I need a wash and I want Jesus if you if you want to say that to Jesus this morning I'm just going to offer a prayer the words aren't magic they're just a way of responding to this gift of Jesus we all just bow our heads and let me lead us in a prayer and I hope the words are, are, are relevant to you if you've known Jesus for 50 years but I hope also that these words are very relevant for love to give you some help in taking these first steps in the